It is time to go deeper in God's Word. It's time to engage in truth. Here is Dr. Steve Ford and Pastor John Bornsheen. Well, everybody, welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornsheen. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs. And I'm so glad that you're tuning in because we are continuing in a series of some very difficult subject matters. And it's really going to take your attention to this to, to really focus in on what we're talking about here, because over the last couple of weeks, we've really highlighted some discussion matters related to Christians and the government. And then we shifted gears into American exceptionalism. We needed to talk about what that means, and we'll continue that vein of thought here today. But this is going to be a part of a, a greater series in which we're going to look at a number of topics that typically divide Christians because we get very fixated on a particular perspective. We already have a certain paradigm about these matters, and then we get easily offended, defending ourselves, dividing in the church over these subjects, and that should not be the case. Rather, what we need to do is go back to God's holy word and have a true Christian worldview, a good understanding of what it is that we believe and why from a biblical perspective, reading God's Word, understanding it, and applying it in the everydayness of life. So we're going to be talking about these difficult subjects. Let me give you a hint as to what where we're going with this series. Uh, we've got social justice coming up. We're going to talk about abortion, homosexuality, pornography, war, environmentalism, religious pluralism, and even evil. Why is there evil in the world? So we've got a number of some very difficult subjects coming up, and I want to encourage you to tune into all of these. If you miss this broadcast, uh, say you're listening right now and you go, you know what, I want to listen to that again. I want to make sure everybody hears this message. All you have to do is go to Calvary Fountain. Dot com And you can listen to this broadcast and all the others in this series and share them with your friends and family alike. Again, that's at calvaryfountain.com. So to help me with this subject matter of American exceptionalism, Dr. Steve Ford is back in the studio with me. And our hearts have just been heavy as we've gone, been going through this and preparing for this broadcast. Because as we both step back and look at America today... We should all be grieved. And and what I mean by that is there's a time and a place where we almost need to hear from the prophets of old when it applies to where we're at today. We're not your prophets, but certainly we can read from God's holy word in a prophetic-like state. And what prophets would do is it wasn't just about foretelling. It was about forth-telling. It was about telling the people where they were in relation to their engagement with God, because so often they would go through the exercises of things. They would go through sacrificial processes and even keep the Sabbath or go through the holy feasts and days, and and yet their hearts were so far from removed from God, they were not experiencing the blessings of God like they previously had. And, and that's because they had wandered off course, so far off course, in fact, they needed a prophet to come to them and tell them, you're off course. You need to course correct. You need to get back to your first love. And one such prophet is is Isaiah. And Isaiah was on the scene well before the people were to go into captivity into Babylon. And then God would send a series, a sequence of other prophets, Jeremiah would follow right up until when they go into captivity. Then Ezekiel would be sent while they're going into captivity. Simultaneously, Daniel was providing a prophetic word from the administrative side there within Babylon. But Isaiah was sent so far ahead of time, had they heeded his word, 
There would have never been a need, I believe, for them to ever go into captivity. But as we know that God, who sees the end from the beginning, Isaiah 46.10 tells us that, he knew the hearts of the people would be in rebellion. They would forsake him, and ultimately the sequence of events would proceed as prophesied. And you go back to Isaiah chapter 1, we hear these very poignant convicting words that I believe you can almost apply even to America today. I don't believe these were just for the nation of Israel because you can read it and say, this is a word for all of us. Any nation that wants the blessing of God, that truly has been built in the the providence of God, doing the things of God, and has fallen away, this applies to them as well. And he says here in verse 4 of Isaiah chapter 1, alas, Sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. And then he goes down in verse 7. He says, your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Strangers devour your land in your presence. And it is desolate, is overthrown by strangers. And then he says in verse 10, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom, give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord. And then we're going to get into what he instructs, what is next? What do we do about this? So as we talk about American exceptionalism, Dr. Ford and I were just getting ready for this series. We hit on a number of subjects last week of is America truly exceptional? Have we forgotten the God of our fathers? Because we read in Psalm chapter 33, verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And we we hear even from Jonathan Edwards who said, when England grew corrupt, God brought over a number of pious persons and planted them in New England. And this land was planted with a noble vine. In fact, it was John Winthrop one of the founding fathers of the Massachusetts Bay Colony who served as governor of the colony for 12 of the first 20 years stated in 1630, for we must consider that we shall be as a city upon a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us so that if we shall deal falsely with our God in this work we have undertaken and so cause him to withdraw his present help from us, we shall be made a story and a byword through the world. And that harkens, of course, to Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 15. And then, and we see even going through our history a bit, we see a, a foreign visitor in the 19th century, French writer Alexis de Tocqueville. He visited America and he wrote, The position of the Americans is therefore quite exceptional, and it may be believed that no other democratic people will ever be placed in a similar one. And he used that terminology, exceptional. It really started to run through the vein of thought for Americans. In fact, it was Michael Prell who said America was built on an idea, and the idea is this. For the first time in history, a nation declared in its founding document that man's rights were unalienable, that his rights came from the creator, not from government. And then John F. Kennedy would connect to this concept of American exceptionalism to his time by referencing Winthrop's words. He said, today the eyes of all people are truly upon us. And our governments at every branch, at every level, national, state, and local, must be as a city upon a hill, constructed and inhabited by men aware of their great trust and their great responsibilities. 
President Ronald Reagan would add, and she's still a beacon, still a magnet for all who must have freedom, for all the pilgrims from all the lost places who are hurting through the darkness toward home. He then added, I have always believed that this blessed land was set apart in a special way. And you can ask many Americans, in fact, a Gallup poll conducted about a decade ago said that 80% of Americans believe the United States has a unique character that makes it the greatest country in the world. To which we then add, are we still the greatest country in the world? What have we truly become? Are, Are we truly the nation that is set apart? Have we have we forgotten the God of our fathers? Because truly, that's what makes an, a nation exceptional. And so, Dr. Ford, I know we were talking before the program on this, and I'm kind of bringing you in late on this conversation as we set up this very difficult task of assessing the United States of America before the eyes of God. Right now, are we still, after 247 years, the nation that was seemingly exceptional amongst the nations of the earth that because it was rooted in Judeo-Christian principles, it it had a a deep root system that was based in biblical values. Where are we today? And I know your heart's been heavy over this. And definitely uh, what's the Lord been kind of revealing to you through your studies? Yeah, I think you make a great point that we need to look to the Old Testament for great examples of how God deals with the nations, not just the nation of Israel, but the Gentile nations as well. So how mm-hmm. can we expect him to deal with our nation? So sometimes we're red letter Christians. We really like to focus on the New Testament, which is absolutely wonderful. But there is a wealth of blessing and knowledge and understanding of the Old Testament. And I would just encourage people who haven't in the past to dig in deep into the Old Testament. And you'll find revelations pertinent to the things that we are facing today. But you're right. You know, we say so many times, and Jesus told us on an individual basis, you will know them by their fruit. So we've sort of looked at some of the past fruit of our country. So what is the current fruit of our country? And what is that? Mm. What what are we harvesting? What are we planting? Where are we today in regards to the fruit that we should be developing and producing in our service toward God? That's right. I think it's wise to take a report card of where you stand before the one who has blessed you who has given you all of these fruits and and many, many blessings. We see that through Israel's history, their ebbs and flows, that as soon as they would prosper, they would forget the God of their fathers. Are we lost in our own prosperity and made a God out of our material possessions and our projects and our pride? I've heard a lot about pride as of late, and, and certainly these things have become the gods of our culture. And we've forgotten the true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who has made this nation what it is. And and we pinpointed, I believe, a couple weeks ago, we talked about what happened after World War II. And we see certainly in the 60s as prayer was taken out of schools, the curriculum changed, the dynamic of the home changed, the sexual revolution and all these things. And we can really take a, a track down history lane and go through where we were and what happened and try to find some of these standing stone moments throughout our own history where we had not raised a standing stone to God, but to man in erecting new gods in our culture and worshiping the industrial revolution and our military might and and really have forgotten that it was God who prospered us and still does. And there are many things that we can praise God for in our nation. And uh, let me just highlight a few of those. And then let's talk about some of the things that are broken and what we can do about that. Uh, because America was founded on biblical principles. I think that's a fact. And, and we could certainly spend a number of weeks going through that. Uh, But we even hear from President Woodrow Wilson. He said, America was born 
a Christian nation. America was born to exemplify that devotion to the elements of righteousness which are derived from the revelations of the Holy Scripture. A president said that. Could you imagine a president (laughs) saying that today? The U.S. Constitution offers numerous examples of biblical roots, even the three branches of government that comes out of Isaiah 33.22, or even the separation of powers from Jeremiah 17, 9. We even have the elections as national, state, and local levels. We see that at Exodus 18, 21. Or the qualifications of a president. We get that Deuteronomy 17, 15. Or even personal responsibility and doing our part, Ezekiel's 18, 20. Criminal charges, Deuteronomy 17, 6. Tax exemptions, even for religious organizations of Ezra 7, verse 24. Immigration structures, uniform rules for naturalization. We get that from Leviticus 19, 34. Even the phrase, in God we trust, on our currency, or the words of the Pledge of Allegiance that one nation under God. We see in Luke chapter 11, verse 28, Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and obey it. We've been blessed because we had, at least for many years in our 247-year history, obeyed the words of God, and we saw those blessings even on the battlefield. George Washington highlighted that, a divine providence that was deeply involved in the affairs of our nation and even the protections on the battlefield. We see America offers religious freedom from the First Amendment of our Bill of Rights, Even America's declaration of independence, that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So we acknowledge both the creator and the freedoms from the creator. And America has a large Christian population. We know that. I mean, depending on which source you go to, you can see that about 78, 79% of American adults identify with some form of the Christian religion. And estimates from 18 to 42% of the population are who evangelical Christians. I mean, that number just continues to to change depending on the sources. But it seems like we could still say that there are predominantly more Christians in the United States than any other religious Group And there are more than 300,000 churches in this nation, individuals, of course, who are filling those churches who are very generous. Of the 400,000 global missionaries that went out, the United States sent almost half of those at one point. And one particular estimate was about 127,000 even of the these missionaries that went out uh, were from the United States of America. So America is traditionally one of the first to respond to disasters humanitarian aid, providing many charitable services. In fact, one particular study I read said that 65% of Americans had given to charities. And then last week, Dr. Ford, we talked about America's blessing Israel. And we know that comes with Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, that I will bless those who bless you. Uh, And recently I read that uh, Israel was buying another whole squadron of F-35s. And And so we have blessed them with military support, with financial aid. We seem to be their only support amongst the nations of the earth. And I believe that has given us great blessing as a result. Will that continue? That remains to be seen. But I think that what we highlight there is the fact that America is very generous. America has a number of Christians, millions of Christians, and it supports Israel. But if you remove those things from the equation— What does America look like after the rapture, for example? 
If you take away that influence and that support, what is left? What truly embodies America now that it didn't used to represent of old? I mean, we were talking about before the program, Dr. Ford, that it seems like even countries that receive foreign aid from the United States, it comes with sort of a, a litmus test of requirements that are unbecoming of a nation that claims to be a Christian nation. I mean, things that are immoral, even highlighting things or requirements of immoral things, support of homosexuality or transgenderism or modifications to curriculum and so forth, and basically social changes that are totally against the Word of God in order to receive this funding. And we've talked about that. We've talked about a number of issues that say, what is America truly without its support of Christianity in Israel? What would be left? Is this truly the nation that people have fought and died for when they thought that it was synonymous to be Christian and American? Is that truly the same anymore? I know your heart's been heavy because you oh, just yeah. recently saw a film that really <laughs> I did, hurt really. your heart oh, even yeah. further on the state of our nation. Yeah, you're right. We had talked before on the show that uh, my wife and I had a chance to watch the movie Sound of Freedom starring Jim Caviezel about the life of Tim Ballard. And they go through the movie, and it's really about not only human trafficking, but sex trafficking, mm. and how prevalent it is, and how prevalent it is in the United States of America. And at the end of the movie, they give some statistics, and so these you can, you can verify on your own, but these are some of the statistics that they quoted at the end of the movie. They said, the United States is one of the top destinations for human trafficking, and is among the largest consumers of child sex in the world. Human trafficking is a $150 billion per year year business, more than the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, and hockey combined. It has eclipsed the illegal arms trade. And the United States is a big source and a big source of demand for human trafficking and especially for sex trafficking. And we're just seeing the impact across our country that it just seems like the foundations that had been established in Judeo-Christian principles have been just eroded all around us at, at an alarming rate. In fact, maybe we're just more aware of it, but I feel like it's it's accelerating at a level we've never seen. And as a result, we're seeing homelessness surging, drug use and addiction surging, depression and all sorts of needs for uh, psychological treatments of, of mankind coming out of this nation and needing to treat its citizens here in these United States, uh, the poverty rates, we could go through the, the digression, this, uh, how do you put a measure on this of what's happening in our school system today of how children are being deeply impacted and we're not seeing the scores and the testing, the numbers that it used to be. Uh, so everything around us is eroding. These foundations are crumbling. What are we to do about this? Yeah, it's, isn't it interesting that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And one of the things we really have a difficulty with in our country at this point in our history is truth. We know that for a long time, we've had a problem telling the truth. I mean, that's been well documented in our culture for the second half of the 20th century, uh, moving forward, that by and large, we're a nation of liars. I mean, I don't I hope that's not tremendously offensive, but it's pretty well documented. Right. Um, and and today, you know, we, we have uh, sayings like, well, that's your truth or that's my truth. Uh, and we have fake news. I mean, I can't remember a time where we have had such a difficult time trying to identify exactly what truth is and who is the father of lies. Right. So who is, who's the father of truth and who are the, who's the father of lies? And let's take a look at the situation that our country is in regarding those subjects. Right. Absolutely. It just feels like the, the, the chasm has grown wider 
and there hasn't been such a dichotomy in our culture. It used to be that it seemed like there was a, a cause-centric mentality that united Americans to truly be exceptional because it was deeply rooted in going to church, being identified as Christian. And this was something that separated America out from around the nations of the world. And now it's look at our technology, look at our advancements in AI, look at our GDP. These things come and go. Right. It's truly a nation that aligns with the ways of God to glorify God. This is the nation that would be blessed. And we see that biblically. In fact, I started off in Isaiah chapter 1. Here's what he tells us to do in verse 16. He says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is a command that not only applied for Israel, but I believe for any nation that seeks God's blessing. And if truly, if we are On our knees, before God, praying for our nation, I think that we need to be real about our circumstances. We need not to uh, placate it and try to just gloss over where we are today. We are a nation that's lost its way, and it must return to the God of our fathers. We know that every good and perfect gift is from above, according to James 1.17, and that we are to make the most of every opportunity while it is still day Mm -hmm. We are to be found faithful in serving the Lord, bearing the light of truth in our culture. We are called to live holy lives in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to, do, verses 1 to 2, and to live as salt and light, Matthew 5, 13 to 16, and to call others to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, according to Acts two thirty eight. Where is the call to repentance? Yeah. Even in the church, have we lost our moorings? We need to be a people of repentance once again. In fact, the early church was known as that, the people of repenters, because they understood how offensive their ways were before a holy God and how grateful they were for salvation. We're told in 2 Chronicles 7.14 that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. While that was applicable specifically even to the nation of Israel, I believe that that is truth for us even today. It was Abraham Lincoln who wrote these powerful words, we have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown, but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us, and we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace, too proud to pray to the God that made us. Imagine (laughs) if a president spoke like that today. We need to be reminded from whom our blessings have come and who we are as Americans when we are deeply rooted in the truth of God's holy word, this is where we must return. Yeah, we can hope in God's 
faithfulness and forgiveness and patience and long-suffering, even as we read about those attributes uh, in Psalm 103, that there is still time for us to repent mm. and still time for, for God to uh, keep his hand of protection over us and, and that time of wrath wouldn't come upon this country if we will repent and if the church will lead in that. Amen. You know, the problems of our culture uh, from Wall Street to Main Street and from the White House to the House of God are not beyond any repair. That's right. But we need not only to better our laws, but we need to better our lives, our hearts, and turn from the sin that permeates our society and seek God's will for ourselves, our families, and for our nation. Amen. And I truly believe that what we would deem as a revival could happen. Uh, It's still possible. But the mission before us is that we pursue the things of God and that we are found faithful while there is still light. And we know that the Lord Jesus is coming soon for his church. Will we be ready to meet him? And if we believe that with all our heart, then what are we doing to introduce others to him? I want to thank you for listening to Engage in Truth here today. I hope you've been blessed, convicted, challenged, maybe stirred up to be found faithful doing the work that is before us as those who are called disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ ought to be doing. And we want to encourage you to tune in again next week. We're going to continue in this vein of thought. It's not going to get any easier. So we've got some very difficult subjects coming up, but we want you to be encouraged, brothers and sisters. This is Engage in Truth. We're going to go right back to God's Word to strengthen and encourage you for the journey ahead. If you're looking for a church to worship with other believers like-minded, check us out at calvaryfountain.com. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays. Again, this is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. God bless you, my friends. Take care.